Welcome back to the Rebuildable Podcast for our 2023 Bulls NBA Draft Preview Show. Even though the Bulls don't have a pick, still, there could be a lot of movement going on, especially near the top of the draft. So, Drew, despite the Bulls not having a pick, how do you feel about this upcoming draft? Are you a little excited? Yeah, I'm still excited just because of the unknown. Um, there's a lot of teams who've been speculated could be making some moves Thursday. Um, I haven't seen a lot of speculation about the Bulls, but you never know. Um, I think people have referenced to them trading Jimmy Butler six years ago on draft night. That was kind of out of left field. So maybe we get something to knock our socks off. Um, in a good way, maybe. We'll see. Uh, I'm not going to hold my breath, but it's still just a, a, a exciting time um, just because you don't know what's going to happen, and it just seems to be this feeling around uh, guys in the national media that there's going to be a, a, a lot of movement this offseason and that the draft could kind of kickstart everything. Agreed. Yeah, there's definitely rumblings about potential movement um, it, involving a lot of other teams around the NBA. And, you know, you're certainly looking at that number two spot, number three with Portland, of course, has gotten a lot of attention. Uh, and then you hear teams about, you hear rumblings about teams like the Pacers and the Pistons. And it's definitely going to be, I think, really entertaining. And um, yeah, we'll see if the Bulls maybe get in on the action. I, I think there's certain... Uh, speculation within Bulls Nation, but nothing necessarily solid and set in stone. Um, talk a little bit about the draft and the offseason. Joining us today is really a frequent guest from the early days of the Rebuildable podcast, Tony Gill. Tony's the producer and host of the Bulls Talk podcast, as well as a podcast producer for NBC Sports Chicago and The Ringer. So, Tony, welcome back to the pod. How you doing? What's up, man? It's been too long. Everybody yeah. was, was in the house last time I was on. <laughs> we outside now. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, when we last had you on, I think it would have been, yeah, it would have been early 2021. So I think you would come on. It, the episode was a Media Matters episode where we were talking about mm-hmm. just sports media. That was the topic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's been way too long and way overdue. So <laughs> glad to have you on now in, in the midst of all this, uh, I don't know, bulls kind of meh and drama. I mean, <laughs> more of the same, I guess. It's, a, it's like the super dead period in sports, especially when your baseball team suck. suck man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do we talk about? What do we do? But we got stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, Tony, I think if somebody who even – in the immediate aftermath of the Bulls trading for DeRozan, or I should acquiring DeRozan and Caruso and Lonzo Ball, you were still kind of not necessarily feeling the the vibes necessarily in terms of this team really being able to compete for a championship. Mm-hmm. Given where they stand today, all the uncertainty about what they may or may not do, how prepared are you to take your rooting interest elsewhere or to just like just totally just <laughs> block this team out if if the roster largely stays the same going into the next season um <laughs> i think i think one thing because you, i mean you you know like when you're out there it's like one degree of separation right like any one of these people that we're talking about can you see them in passing or pull up or <laughs> something so <laughs> i got to uh as as much as i have been in disagreement in how things have gone and uh, the way the team has been built. Uh, I'm, I'm here for the ride, man. Like, you know, I've been a Bulls fan my whole life and, you know, wanting to see good things happen and for things to be built properly and have a foundational structure that breeds winning culture and, um, and accountability. uh, I think it's good that people like me and you guys and you know it, it seems like we're all kind of together on holding this organization to a standard uh and we're not going to fall for the okie doke here <laughs> we're, we're just not we're not going to fall for the, for the banana in the tailpipe as, as bulls fans they just don't do it 
right? I mean, they there there are some fans that you know just kind of root for you know whatever happens on the court. But I think for the for the most part, I think Bulls fans are kind of of one mind of wanting the same thing. Like we were he, the reason why there are so many Bulls fans is because of those excellent Jordan years. So you know if as you if the organization is going to you know bring those memories back up and do these various different things don't get angry when the fans hold you to that standard so you know i'm not uh uh you know ready to just kind of you know throw you know the organization out but i think the essence of a true fan is to continue continuously hold your favorite team the team that you root for the team that you watch uh, the team you cover uh even beat writers and i I think the beat does a very good job of holding them accountable to one, what they say, but also to a winning standard when it seemingly is, isn't there. You know, one way that you can improve as an organization is through the draft, but the bulls don't have a pick. Mm. So let's say miraculously, the bulls somehow trade into that, that first round of the, of the draft, since we're on the, you know, eve of the NBA draft. Are there some players you would like to see the the Bulls take in this draft if they somehow got in there, whether that's, you know, somewhere at the top of the draft, middle of the draft, end of it, anybody on your radar that you think could be a good addition to, to this current roster? That's a really tough question to answer uh, and, and two reasons. One, as you said, they, they currently don't have a pick. So, you know, finding a player that would be slotted in a place where they would be, uh, it makes it difficult when, you know, they're not even in the draft at all. Um, and two, they didn't play last year's pick. So if, <laughs> um, even if they did get a player in those middling rounds or bottom of the, the, the first round or even a second round pick, Unless this dude is God's gift sent directly to the Bulls, he's probably not going to affect anything that the Bulls are doing because last year's pick played the least amount of minutes at his draft average, at his draft selection, then I think in like 15 years or something like that. So it's it's not just not having the pick. It is who have they developed with the picks that they've had? Now, we can say, you know, Patrick Williams, he's slowly kind of coming up, but expectations are kind of dropping on him in terms of whatever you give us, we will be happy with that at this point versus leaping or heaping on uh, any superstar expectations or all-star expectations uh, on him. Um, again, Dale and Terry, I don't know what he does. Marco Simonovic, I don't know what he does. So <laughs> I'm still waiting even if they do draft a, a player, um, unless it's obvious, right? Unless they get in the top three, where now we're talking about some some real dudes uh, in this year's draft. I don't think there's one player that I, I have in mind, you know, as of yet, because I haven't thought about it because they haven't had a pick. Um, but two, I mean, what what's the level of expectation are we supposed to have when they didn't even play last year's pick? So um, I, I guess that's a a long way to say, I don't know. Well, and I think it speaks to the, the bigger issue, right? Is kind of that lack of trust in player development. Like no matter mm -hmm. how you slice it, you haven't seen anything out of, you know, a pick that went number four in Patrick mm -hmm. Williams. And with Dalen Terry, there's still a lot of question marks there. And if you saw anything from him this year, I think we'd be thrilled. Um, so I guess is there... I guess then maybe a good follow-up to this just regarding the, the draft in general. I mean, is there a player you would move heaven and earth to try to trade into the draft to get? You know, would there be somebody that you think, hey, player development issues aside, aside from Victor, is there somebody that you're saying, this is somebody I have to go move heaven and earth to get? You, you know, it, I think this year above all years, and I think Jason did a Jason Golf did a good job on his last podcast on, on the full go. Was was he asked a question? It doesn't matter. 
<laughs> like it doesn't matter what I want. <laughs> as, as as a for real, as as a fan of uh of a Chicago team, um has it mattered what the fan wants? It and matters to the, me. The, the, Tony, the, it matters to me and it matters the, to the group, okay? The Chicago sports fan is pretty smart, pretty educated, understands what needs to happen in order to win. Um because and this is why I started this answer this way is because if there is that player, right? Let's say it's Scoot, you know, because that seems like the most viable option um in terms of this draft. Uh, in terms of a, a game-changing player and the move heaven and earth for, you're also talking about a, a, a philosophy difference from what they've shown already uh, and a contradiction of what Arturis has been kind of pushing with the continuity um, and wanting to bring everybody back and not wanting to take a step back. If you're going to get into this draft, and they still can, by the way, with that, uh, with the Portland pick that they got from uh, the Knicks. Uh, I think it was like 23 or 25 or something like that. Um, so they can still technically get in. Uh, but for one of those guys at the top, near the top, two, three, it, then it kind of drops off a little bit after that with Amen Thompson. Um, but you're, you're, you're talking about changing your whole philosophy from what you've shown. They've been quick to pull the trigger, right? Since they got here, right after they had their introductory conversations about player development and draft and we were all like yeah this is what we need yeah and halfway through the season they're like nah we're good on all that and we want to win now so it's very very difficult to answer and have these questions and these hypotheticals and trust me i've tried to think about all the different ways that okay they can do this in the draft and but it all just comes down to their philosophy has changed from when they first started. They want to take advantage of this winning window now with Zach Levine, at least to this point. Now that can change again uh, during this draft, uh, but I just don't, I just don't see it, see them taking that much of a step back to reboot this whole thing in, in a more stable manner than what it is now. So let, let's say they, they throw you for a loop and they do decide to do that. There's been some speculation, you know, whether warranted or not about them, you know, trying to dangle Zach Levine or dangle DeMar DeRozan. Is there something that you've seen put out there or speculated about in terms of the Bulls getting into the lottery that's like raise your antennas? Or is this something that you've thought of yourself um, that you feel like could be a viable possibility for them to get into that lottery or even maybe just into the draft in general? Well, I mean, like I mentioned before, it it's easier for them to because Portland and, and where they're at right now is very interesting. And what Portland does is very important in regards to everything else that happens throughout the draft uh, on Thursday. Um, as of right now, there's been multiple reports that you guys have probably seen of, oh, they want to come off the pick or no, no, no. They're trying to, you know, trade Damian Lillard. So they're we don't know necessarily what's facts and what's fiction about what Portland is going to do. Um, one thing that, I, that I'm pretty sure about is their latter uh, first round pick that they can't do any large moves in terms of future picks until they decide what they want to do with this pick that's coming up. And that could be a pick that could be had by the bulls. How much is it going to matter getting the bottom of the first round draft pick? I don't know. Um, but if there was a player that I think could reset what the Bulls are are doing right now, I don't think Brandon Miller is that player. Like it, it will have to be Scoot. Um, that will be the 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 player, and that in, in order to do that, Zach Levine would be the trading piece. Um, I don't think Demar does it for you. I don't think. Uh, a signing trade for Vooch does it for you. I think if you really want to get in that top tier and considering that what Washington got, and that, I get it, that's completely different because Brad Beal had that uh, no trade clause in his contract that made it 
really complex for Washington. They just wanted a, a, a completely direction change, which I totally get. They were like, look, we're going to lose with you. We're going to lose without you. It don't matter really what we get. We just need a whole new direction, which I respect. Uh, a lot of teams won't, you know, do that. And uh, sometimes you need to do that. So, but for the Bulls, it, it would have to be a move of Zach Levine. I just don't see another way. He's the most valuable asset. Uh, and I get it. He just signed that deal last year. And now we're talking about, you know, trading him. And I know he's probably upset about that. But hey, man, it didn't look good last year. And all of you guys are healthy. So if the Bulls want to actually built this up right they they would have to move on from from zach levine and, and try and uh get back into the top part of this draft you know i was gonna save this question for for later i think i'm gonna move it up to now because it, it's it's relevant to um you know what you're bringing up here about zach and i know this came out a little bit from casey johnson earlier today mm-hmm. your colleague at nbc sports chicago he said in his story that, quote, one league source said the Bulls would be focused on getting a good player. This is in regards to Zach Levine, Trey Chatter. Mm-hmm. Uh, one league source said the Bulls would be focused on getting a good young player, multiple first round picks and salary filler if they decide to trade Levine. Another said one first round pick and an established high end player might be sufficiently intriguing and quote. Now, you mentioned Bradley Beal and you know him getting traded for pennies on the dollar had a lot to do with that no trade albatross that was there. Um, I guess like if you had to speculate, like if, if you were just putting your, you know, your NBA hat on, what do you think that trade market might actually be for Zach Levine? If the bulls active actively shopped him, would it be more in that direction that one league source is saying, more in that direction that the other one's saying about multiple picks or somewhere in the middle? I think it depends on if Portland moves from Damian Lillard. I think now that the, the Bradley Beal move has been made, uh, I think the next piece that teams that are vying for uh, another all-star to add, uh, the next domino is Damian Lillard. And if Portland is willing to move off of him, uh, if they can't get another piece uh, that can that can fit alongside him. So once that Damian Lillard thing is solved, then I think Zach Levine might be next up on that list of kind of shark in the water, you know, blood uh, that teams may want. Um, hmm. I think it's going to be, Zach is what, 28? 29? 28, 29? Um, so you, you want to find an established player that's younger than him, probably, uh, with with some upside. That it's, we're getting very specific. The picks are is an easy one to find. Um, it's the player, the key player that you want back in return. That's the difficult part. Because uh, the, the funny thing is about Zach and about a lot of NBA teams, you know, actually is who you're going to find is better. Like Boston's going through that now with Jalen Brown. It's like they have all, you know, you you do have all the questions. He can't dribble, can't use his left hand, uh, bad in in you know the clutch. But they're like, who who else is out there that is that it's better than him right now? And how difficult would it be to acquire that player? Um, so I would say the Bulls would want a more an established player and then take the take a one first round picks instead of multiple first round picks, just because I don't think they they really aren't here for the rebuild. Um, they really don't want to go to the bottom again. They really want to avoid that as much as possible. So if the situation does come up with Zach Levine and they're ready to move him, they will be looking for a not so much a veteran, but an established player with, with some upside that can turn into an all-star type player, plus a first round pick and then some salary fillers to match that max salary. Yeah. I think Zach is, I don't want to say giving a bad rap. Mm-hmm. We, I think a lot of fans have soured on him just because of his track record with this franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, even though until last season, it really wasn't a, really good supporting cast put around him. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see how he comes out next season 
knowing that he's going to have a regular offseason of work to put in um, with, with being healthy. He's not coming off a, a scope. Um, he's going to actually be able to kind of buckle down and do the things that he normally does and go through his regular routine. But if he's on the team to start next season, what would you need to see from him, Tony, to make you feel comfortable with this franchise continuing to build around him or at least just build with him? <sighs> um, see, the thing with Zach Levine, it's not really so much basketball, right? Like, I mean, he could be a better – it's ancillary stuff. He, he could be a better dribbler. Um you know, he needs to be a better decision maker. Um, but that's just kind of just just little stuff around to fill his game. He's he's not a bad defender. Um, he's I would say on par with the, you know, the rest of the NBA. He's not an elite defender, but you know, he's not, you know, terrible. So there's only so much now that he's in the prime of his career. If you if you don't if you're not interested in defense, you know, by now and he's about to li- go into year 10, he's not gonna be an elite defender. I'll just kind of just like, give him that point. Uh I mean, he's he's such an electric, efficient scorer, right? Like, I mean, that's what he's getting paid the big dollars for. So it's not so much basketball that I think the Bulls or Bulls fans are, are having have a problem with or issue with. It's the expectation of what comes with having a max contract and taking that much a percentage of a salary. That if, and I heard uh, Dominique Foxworth say this, and I, I, it's been in my head all offseason is if, if we're going to pay you the same percentage of the salary as LeBron as Steph as Jokic as these players that are and that are being great and leading their teams to playoff success that's what we expect <laughs> that's what we expect it's it's the the setting of the culture and the standard that I think that Bulls fans are, are, are lacking and the reason why they had to go get Patrick Beverly, right? Is because there, there isn't a leader in that, in that locker room that can set the level of play. There isn't a Jimmy Butler there to bring everybody with him when it's time to win, where it's time to work hard. Like Zach Levine is going to work hard and on his individual game and stuff like that. But in order to win, you need everybody else and you need everybody else to play with you on that same level. And from, you know, from what I hear, Zach is a great teammate. He's a great person and all that, but that it factor, right. Of, okay, I'm a ride for Zach, you know, like from his teammates, like I cannot let Zach Levine down. Like he's holding me accountable. He comes into practice and he comes into work every day. Like, and it's not even being vocal, right? Like Tim Duncan wasn't that vocal, but you weren't going to let Tim Duncan down. Like, you, <laughs> like it, it, it's a certain level of ca- accountability that the rest of the organization should feel with a player and a star player and a max player that you just don't feel with Zach. And I don't think you can, I don't think that you can grow into that. I think either you have it or you don't. You either have that type of charisma, that type of level of accountability for the organization or you, or you can be, I'm doing my job. I don't know what y'all are doing. I'm putting up 25, which is cool, but I can't build around that type of player. And you can never build around a championship level team around that type of player. And it's never, if you look at history, it's just never been done that way. You always, always have either your, your best player or your second best player. They have to be the, the, hold the team and hold the organization accountable type player. And I, I just don't see that in Zach Levine. I think like it, it's interesting, like the, what you're saying there, cause I think this kind of is, is the debate of, of, you know, do you give them that contract or do you not? And I remember reading and I'm trying to remember who it was that said this around the time when Zach signed his extension or, you know, signed the new contract was it's okay to hand that out. If you have the alpha dog in the room. Like if that alpha dog's there and Zach's along, like I, I don't want to say along for the ride, but you know maybe he's the the Robin, he's the number two, the number three. Mm-hmm. You can tolerate giving out that contract if you have the alpha dog who's maybe also on that max contract on your team. And instead, it's it's almost like the Bulls were kind of operating in reverse of 
hey, here's the contract. Now we're just going to play the waiting game until that true alpha number one star comes in and wants to play with you and, and this core. Like that's almost how it feels like the Bulls were just kind of sitting and waiting for that moment. Yeah, I mean, they chose to, when when they made the Vooch trade, that was a signal to every person that watches this team that they think that they can take advantage of Zach Levine's prime right now in the next five years, that they are going to be contending for championships, not, you know, not saying they're going to win the championship, that, that's hard, but contending for deep playoff runs around Zach Levine. My first question was, what made you think that? <laughs> in, the, in the short amount of time that you were there, that you made that decision, that you thought that you were able to generate a, a championship roster and flip over a championship roster in the f- first year of, of, of you joining this organization? Like, I don't, I don't want to, you know, bad mouth or anything or, or be, be negative Nancy here, but I'm just looking at it. I'm just looking at the facts, looking at the results that what we were given. It's like, it's, it's very, what do they say in court? It's like, like pornography. You, you know, when you see it, right. That's as, that's about as simple as I can, I, I can say about, what I think about trying to build around Zach Levine. And you, when you compare him to these other guys, if you want to even the lowest bar of those guys, right? We will say Jimmy Butler, the, the lowest rung of the guys that can actually be uh, a, a mover and a shaker for an organization. He's not that. Like, he's just not that. In my opinion, Zach Levine on a championship roster is your number three, in my opinion. Number two, you got to do all the stuff that the number one doesn't want to do, right? For 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 Michael, it was Scotty in that first championship run. Mike in uh in that first game against the Lakers, Mike started off on on Magic. For the rest of the series, Scotty guarded Magic. I don't see Zach doing all the other things, right? That a number two would do. And the number three, you can play marginal defense. Just make your shots when you can. Like that's the perfect role, I think, for him. Where all the other stuff and all the other responsibilities, they don't fall on him necessarily. It's on the the other two, uh, or the main guy. But it's just it, it's just so hard to imagine within this contract that they're going to be contending. It, it's just very very difficult to see that. It's well said, and I actually got to give you a lot of credit for for dropping a, a Supreme court reference in there. Uh, that's for, for those of you listening, that is justice Potter Stewart. I actually remember that because it's, it's one of my favorite details about, mm-hmm. yeah, I know it when I see it, it's, <laughs> and it's become like a legendary quote. Um, you mentioned Nikola Vucevic mm-hmm. and I, I do want to get into this because, you know, over the weekend we heard um, a report from Mike Scotto, uh, suggesting that Nikola Vucevic and the Bulls could agree to what would be a three-year, $65 million deal. So just under $22 million annually if we look at it per year, of course. That could be split up in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think there's a lot of chatter in Bulls Nation about, you know, do you bring them back? Do you not? Do you try to have protection in terms of player option or, or excuse me, no, team option? Love, we don't, they yeah, they love handing out player options. Player options. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they love doing that. It's no. like their favorite thing. I think that was a Freudian <laughs> slip on my part. Because um, I think that's where we all know it's heading. But is it, you know, will there be protections in terms of a team option, mutual option, that third year? Just on the surface, you know, those amount of years, that annual salary, um, is that about right to you, or is that too rich for your blood for Nikola Vucevic? Yeah, no, that, that sounds about right. Like, I, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not hating on that. Uh, I mean, especially if you know they want to bring him back, right? He's most valuable to them at this point, right? They, they already lost the trade, you know, to Orlando. I think every everybody around the league has acknowledged that part. So, I mean, to save face a little bit, you know, you bring him back but nobody's going to value him. And he knows that like, he's not going to get the money anywhere else that he would get in Chicago because he's got the leverage, right? He can say, I averaged a double, double last year. I was third in double doubles last year. Um, I played all 82 games last year. So 
he certainly has more leverage at this point, I think, than the Bulls uh, do. Um, but in terms of bringing him back, if he if if he leaves and goes somewhere else, it, they don't get extra bonus money if he signs with somebody else. So that's that's the thing. So it's like, well, if we're not going to gain much in terms of financial flexibility with him gone, you might as well bring him back. Now the issue now the issue with bringing him back is how are you going to use him more effectively, and that's the conversation that I think is the most interesting, and I would like to be a fly on the wall of of those conversations. Is hey man, what is going on with me getting the ball? <laughs> like just even what's the conversation that how, what are they pitching to Vooch about how is this going to be different this year? With you saying continuity, with you saying you want to bring everybody back, what changes? For real, what what's going to change in this? It can't just be play better because if you take all of their individual seasons, at least for the big three, they had great individual seasons, but for some reason it didn't mesh in terms of winning. So, can they be honest with themselves about what they need, what needs to happen on this roster? Um, and what, how are they going to use him more effectively uh, th- throughout games? There were games where they hopped on the Vooch train and they got O'Dub. The very next game, barely saw any paint touches. All of his shots were around the perimeter. It's so inconsistent with him and how they use him that if, if upon signing the deal, unless it's truly just about you know, I want to get the most money that I can at this point in my career, which is fine. But uh, the the biggest question after we get the money settled is what's going to be different this year? And I think a big reason for that is the style of play and the way Billy Donovan coaches. Billy Donovan coaches tends towards, I'm going to, we're going to play like how my best player wants to play. And that's regardless of who it is. He's shown that throughout his NBA coaching career. He's going to lean on his stars and that's how they're going to play. Who was his best player or has been his best player here? DeMar DeRozan. So what do they play like? Mid-range jump, uh, jump shots. Uh, how, did, <laughs> how many threes do they put up? Near the bottom of the league. It's because DeMar DeRozan plays that way. I'm not going to ask DeMar DeRozan to be something else that he's been in his entire career. So it, there's so many different pieces and so many different contradictions that the Bulls have right now that I, I'm very interested to see if he does resign and I know the beat writers are going to ask us, why did you come back? Yeah, that's, that's a great point you bring up. Because, I mean, aside, like you said, aside from the money, what, what is it that, that entices Vucevic about being here in Chicago and mm-hmm. it's been said or he said that he wants to contend for a championship, but obviously the Bulls aren't – they're barely – closer to that goal now than they were when he first signed here, um, when they just missed out on the, the playing tournament um, in his first season here. If only two of Zach, Nicola, and DeMar were to be on this team next season, which two oh, would Zach you and Zach and Vooch. <laughs> Zach and Vooch, that's, that's easy. That's easy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and there's no disrespect to to, to Mar DeRozan, right? I mean, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, you know, probably first ballot. Um, he ha- he's had an excellent career. He's still an excellent individual basketball player. Uh, and he can look and say, hey, I'm the only reason why you're winning games, or I'm the primary reason why you're winning the games as is, which would be a kind of a fair point. But also, he's also the reason why they only won as many games as they won. Like, it, it, two things can be right at the, at the same time. Um, and trying to build around uh, DeMar DeRozan, one, we've seen that when he was a better player in, in Toronto, and we saw how that turned out. They said politely, excuse me, sir, thank you for your services. We will bring in <laughs> Kawhi Leonard. Um, so the Bulls trying to do that, run it back, trying to build around DeMar DeRozan, that's not going to win you a championship um, in its purest form in a, on a better team. It didn't work in Toronto. So like them trying to redo it with a lesser team than Toronto had when he was there. Um, 
I just don't get the the geometry of what they're trying to build with these pieces. Um, it didn't make sense to me when they signed him. I was definitely one of those loud people that was like, I don't get it. And I watched basketball and loved basketball my whole life. I did not understand why that they signed him. I thought it was a detriment to Patrick Williams. I thought it was a detriment to see in, in full color HD what that could be as the, the long guy. And I think that, and I said this on, we recorded a Bulls Talk podcast today that'll be out tomorrow. I said something that could have become positive out of not signing DeMar DeRozan is you, you could actually see what you had in Zach Levine, in Patrick Williams. Now you missed that. Now Patrick Williams is coming up on a, on a, uh, on a, a potential extension, you know, next off season. And you don't know what he does. You don't know what, it, what he can do. You haven't seen Zach Levine as the primary number one guy to flesh out if he can be that. Like we've seen these, you know, hyper short periods, right? Where at the end of games where he performs and then, excuse me, you got what you got at the end of that Miami game where it was just got awful when you mo- we needed him most. So now you're still kind of up in there of what Zach is, you know, at this point, all because DeMar DeRozan dropped in and changed everything that, that you wanted to do. So if I had to pick, like I said, it was, it's easy for me. Zach Levine, Vooch, figure it out. You had half a season to do it. And before DeMar and Lonzo, everybody came in. I think for the Bulls to actually get an accurate view of the foundation of this team, DeMar DeRozan isn't the foundation of this team for the long term. How can he? He's in his mid-30s. How can he? So I'd rather start that now than wait another year. But, hey, you know, who cares what we want, right? But you know what? It, it's interesting, too, because like, I think there was an episode you did on Bulls Talk with um, Dan and Jason Bernstein um Mm -hmm. from uh you know uh, organizations win championships podcast Mm -hmm. and they were talking about the the redundancy that's kind of created with damar taking away from vooch's game Mm -hmm. even and and i thought that was a great point because it it even is kind of robbing you of of what you could have seen that two-man game like so um yeah it's it's a it'll be interesting to see do you actually think though there's a chance that there is going to be that kind of a shakeup to change the profile of the team, or, or are you pessimistic and thinking this is just going to be run back hundred uh, um, percent? Super pessimistic, <laughs> super pessimistic. Um, and when they and when they run it back, because remember the conversation going into last season, right? Was hey, we became too predictable. We're not going to be able to win games depending on Demar to you know make all these game winners. We got to change the style of where we play. And they end up just doing the same thing. <laughs> Nothing changed. Uh, and, and that could be because the pieces didn't, you know, a, a change around them, right? Uh, they didn't have consistent shooting. Um, who was catching, who, <laughs> the players that were catching it on the back end of those swing swings to the corner was, the, you know, Javante Green, Derrick Jones Jr., Io DeSumo. Uh, and that's on purpose. Like you're open for a reason because nobody believes you can make that on a consistent basis. And some nights they were going, most nights they didn't. So they need to improve there. I don't know what they do that. They tried to fix that with uh, Goran Dragic and they cut him halfway through the season. So they can, there are certainly pieces that can be had like around, um, you know, the, what they have, but in terms of the, how they play, geometrically i don't see it changing much and i don't how can you trust him they, they buried themselves so deep in this <laughs> like, how, how can you trust would you if you made these moves would you want to jump off the the, the premise and, and prove everybody else right i'd like to uh, think i would right but i mean to <laughs> me to me i'm i always have an itchy trigger finger like Drew knows mm-hmm. this. Like I, I'm impatient, so <laughs> it's a little. I, I'm different. I know now. Drew, Drew, maybe is a little more patient. I don't know. What, do you, what about you, Drew? Would you, if you were in their shoes? I mean, I was saying it 
I think before the trade deadline, they need to try to move DeMar, at, you know, let alone Nikola Vucevic, just because as we both as we talked about, as they said, DeMar DeRozan is still an elite isolation player. He is elite. Mm-hmm. He is one of the best in the business. Um, not only that, but he's the by far the best ball handler on the team. I know no matter the strides that Kobe White made, I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel as comfortable with the ball in anybody else's hands um, than I did when it was in DeMar DeRozan's hands. Um, but just the shot profile of his team, DeMar takes like, I want to say, like 40% of his shots in the mid-range, if not more. Um, you can fact check me on that. Not totally sure about that, but I got 40% in my head for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> nah, but, but I just think they, they, need, they need more shooting, man, and you got to give up something to get something. And I just thought that they, they really kind of dropped the ball on what could have been his trade value then, especially before he started kind of breaking down during the season. Mm-hmm. And now who knows what it's going to be um, this summer. And it is so, it's still said it's so specific. It limits, in my opinion, who's really going to be going after him. At one point in time, I thought maybe he could be a guy that the Memphis Grizzlies would look at. But um, now that John Moran is going to be suspended for 25 games, the guy that I was looking at potentially trading him for, Tyus Jones, like, why would you make that move if you're Memphis? You let or are going to let Dylan Brooks go, somebody who kind of goes a little haywire with his, with his three-point shot, but your space is already so cramped. You're just going to jam it up even more. So I don't really know who's going to be gunning for him. Maybe Dallas gets a little bit desperate, and they, they, they want to pair Luka Doncic with, with somebody of um, – DeMar DeRozan's ilk, but again, man, I, it's, it's, I would have got off this train a little while ago. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, there's <laughs> a reason why he didn't have a lot of suitors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> it's a reason why he didn't have a lot of suitors originally, right? It was the two L.A. teams were kind of thinking about it, but they, I don't think they took it that seriously, especially if the price was too high and the Bulls played a definitely a high price. They're like, I'm paying this for an ISO basketball player when nobody plays ISO basketball. Like, I, I mean, again, unless you're built very, very specifically and, you know, people like look at the Miami heat and the way Jimmy Butler played down the stretch in terms of isolation basketball. Um, but those are, those are very, very specific. You have to have very, very specific players around that. That's not a plug and play situation. So I, 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 I didn't get why. And, it was funny is, you know, when they were asked about it, uh, uh, DeMar and, and, you know, Zach was like, oh, we'll figure it out. We basketball players. Like, it's not just easy, right? It's not just this this thing, right, where you can just, all right, just roll the ball out there and, and, and go. It's like, no, it professional basketball, it takes a lot of study and a lot of uh, maneuvering and a lot of ego, like giving – not being able to say what's best for this team. Is what's best for me, if best for this team, me making another all-star team? But is is what's best for this team, me going after, you know, 26, 27, you know, a night going for 40, multiple 40-point game? Is that what's really best for this team? And at this point, he's already a fully functional player. So I don't even expect him to think about that at this point. I got here, I'm a Hall of Fame player. So there's there's so much nuance, right? And and trying to build a championship team. That's why I love the NBA because all the chess pieces involved to create what it is to be a a, a champion. Um, But again, you know, when you see it. So, and what I'm seeing right now with this Bulls team, I just, I'm just not seeing. I guess like one last question before we wrap up. Um, Is there of the, I guess, role players, you know, are, are you looking to, are you excited about bringing any one of those back? So like Kobe White, Io DeSumo, um, is there somebody that you want to see back on this team in 2024 season? Uh, I mean, everybody got player options, so. You know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how much of a choice I have in terms of <laughs> who I want to return. Um, but it's probably Kobe. It's, it's probably Kobe. He made significant strides into being a better basketball player. 
And then when you look at it just from uh, from his numbers from, you know, this this past season than the year before, you don't see that much of a of a difference. But when you watched him, there was definitely a difference in the way he played basketball. So I'm excited to see what what he does next in a restricted, you know, at least for right now, like he, as of right now, he's a restricted free agent. So I'm very interested to see what becomes of, of Kobe white. Again, Artur said he wants to bring both back IO and Kobe. Um, we'll see. I will say to that. We'll see. Uh, but if there was one player that role player that I, I would like to see um, come back and, see how he fits as as a starting point guard uh for this team is it definitely probably kobe all right so before we wrap up um definitely want to let you you know take the mic to let people know where they can you know find bulls talk and and find all the other podcasts you're working on you're like the king of podcasts man you got <laughs> don't so no. floor is yours <laughs> Um. Yeah, man. I mean, oh man. Like, <laughs> you can. Well, I guess you can follow me on Twitter if you if you do that sort of thing. Uh, on Twitter at the Tony Gill. Um, I retweet all of our stuff. Uh, on the NBC Sports Network, we got a lot of stuff going on there. Not just sports. Now, uh, we have all Spanish. Uh, language podcast uh Andres Linias with uh Hector Lozano Telemundo uh sports anchor uh he has uh, a bunch of different interviews with a lot of different people in Spanish all Spanish podcasts so all my Spanish speakers out there check that out um we got obviously Bulls talk uh we got your Blackhawks coverage if you want to understand what Connor Bedard is about to do in this city it is Derek Rose-esque maybe a little bit more that's you want to start on this train now Mm. if you want to be a uh uh, informed about what the blackhawks are doing uh and what's about to happen with the blackhawks so go to blackhawks talk uh get that information there we got white Sox uh under center is on tv everywhere with ken davis drew you you know what's up with ken um Yeah, you're like we got a lot of stuff going on. Also, listen to Sports Adjacent uh, with Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey. That is a uh, very fun passion project uh, that we do. Drew's already over there chuckling already. I'll <laughs> <laughs> be, be disappointed if you just listen to one episode. I don't care which one it is. It is, I think, my favorite just because it's it's off the beaten path, man. It's it, just it's highly guys. entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's, it's, it's it, it, you really get you really get the 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 uncensored Tony Gill for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to check that out. Uh also listen to the full go with Jason Goff uh on the ringer. That is a very fun uh project as well. Um so yeah, just just you know just tune into all those things and you know if you guys will invite me back. You know, more often, I, I appreciate it because okay. This is so fun. here's the thing: I'm I'm gonna allow this. After six months, you can exercise your player option. Okay. <laughs> All right. We have player options here just for Tony Gill. Nobody else gets a player option. I want you to know that. So I appreciate. Want exercise I, it. I I will be Andre Drummond and and definitely opt in. I don't know when I'm gonna see this money again. So <laughs> you know what though. Hey, you know what though? You you put up good numbers despite taking the veteran minimum. You're playing way above oh, your contract you. in that case. Thank you. So. Thank you. That's that's all I want to do. Just play above my contract. See, when, yeah. when you take the max, it's too many expectations. I understand what my talent level's at. All right. <laughs> I don't want the max player responsibility. No, no, no. Give me veteran minimum. We we good. I can support my family off that. Well, well, I gotta say though, Tony, it's it's amazing to see where you're at right now because um you know, I, I could have ended the podcast by saying, hey, tell us where everybody can find Bulls talk. But there's so many things that you're doing. I don't think that people know. So yeah. I wanted to make sure you got that chance to plug all the different Thank things you. that you, you're you you're working on right now, because it's it's a lot. And, you yeah. know, you're, you're you're one of the hidden gems in Chicago sports media right now. Uh, thank you. I, I appreciate it. I I am humbled by your, your comments, truly. Um, you know, I just I just want to have fun. 
And, and that's that was my goal. I just want to talk to fun people uh, like yourselves and laugh and crack jokes and, and this little toy box of, of sports, you know, talk. Like, I, I love it. I love everybody that's doing it. Like, I'm all for everybody starting their own podcast or getting together with their friends and, and talking whatever they love to talk about. It's it's definitely one people just want to hear your voice and people want to hear uh, 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 opinions and stuff like that. So I'm I am grateful that I am in the position that I am and people want to listen to me and, 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 and talk with me uh, on, on various topics and things. So. I'm grateful for this opportunity to, to come on with you guys. Thank you. No, greatly appreciate okay. it, Tony. Thanks for coming on. So, all right, Drew, any, any final thoughts on what you think is going to happen on draft night? The Bulls going to find their way into it, yes or no? I think yes, just because they need some – they need to add to this roster, and, and one of the best ways they can do it is to add a cost-controlled player to the mix – Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping, wishing, thinking that they'll, they'll do something to get into this, this, this draft come Thursday, but man, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. I, it'll be interesting. We're, I think that something's probably going to happen now is going to be a lower move, like buying into the second round or maybe making a trade in the bottom portion of the first round or is the big splash coming? What's your what's your read? I would say probably more conservative, but you think a splash is coming? No, I don't think any any splashes. Um, nah, no splashes. More of like, like I you know marginal moves. Maybe you know they pull some some undrafted guys or a guy like they did Justin Lewis um, last year. So you know. As anything with this Bulls team, it just seems like there's a lot up in the air, a lot of different directions things can go, and we wait to see what Acme decides to do. And that's what makes it so much fun to follow the offseason in the NBA, because sometimes you just never know, and things can come out of left field. So um, you know where to to follow us during all of this this drama with the NBA draft, and as we continue the offseason journey, you can follow Drew at Look What Drew Did, I'm at mgentile88 on Twitter. The Rebuildable Podcast is at rebuild underscore a underscore bowl. Of course, the best way that you can get the latest episodes is by liking and subscribing on all the major platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you stream your podcasts, you can find the Rebuildable Podcast. So with Drew Stevens, I'm Matt Gentile. Look forward to talking to you soon during the rest of this offseason. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.